Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans for Sports Network. Thank you for taking the time. It's Friday, folks. I hope you're excited. I feel like a lot of the fan base, by the end of the week, kind of like dies down a little bit. The excitement, the fever pitch from the previous week kind of dies down. No way, not here, not at the Steel Curtain Network, which, by the way, make sure you're checking us out, steelcurtainnetwork.com. Find us wherever you have social media stuff, YouTube. We're putting out more videos there. You can check us, obviously, anywhere we get your podcasts. Spread the love about the website and all of our podcast platforms. If you have Steeler friends, send them some links. That's what we want. Spread the love. We can do this the old-fashioned way, the grassroots movement that is the Steel Curtain Network. Let's talk about some news before we get into a jam-packed show. We've got John Shipley coming up in the first half for the Behind Enemy Line segment. He covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for Fans for Sports Network and also for Sports Illustrated. This guy is in the locker room, so he's talking to players. He's going to know the team as well as anyone. In the second half, we've got Jeremy Jerome Betts coming up with the All Bets Are Off segment. And as always, every Friday at the very end, stay tuned for a heart-to-heart. All right, folks, let's do some basic news here. Injury report, we'll talk about that with Jeremy in the second half. Big news was Cam Hayward's 21-day window has officially begun That does mean he's still on injured reserve, but the team has 21 days to get him on the active roster. I wrote the article for the website Thursday morning that he's looking good, and most people are saying that it could be eyeing this Green Bay Packers Week 10 game to potentially return. I think that's a very smart goal. The fact that they 
start him on this window now makes a lot of sense. Uh, kind of vibes with that timeline, so to speak. So good news to get Cam Hayward back in practice. I'm sure he's helping boost morale and all that good stuff. Other than that, though, it's been a really quiet week. A really quiet week with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's all about this game coming up Sunday, 1 o'clock, as Dave Schofield says, the way God intended it, 1 p.m. Pittsburgh time, is when the Steelers will play the Jacksonville Jaguars at Acrisure Stadium. I want to give you the best coverage for this upcoming game I possibly can. And that's why, right after this short break, I'm going to give you John Shipley as we go behind enemy lines. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Steeler fans, it is time. We go behind enemy lines every Friday on the Let's Ride podcast. And today, getting ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars in week eight at Acrisure Stadium. From the Jaguar Report, John Shipley. John, how's it going? Hey, it's going good, my friend. How you doing? Doing great. John covers the Jaguars for Fans First Sports Network. I appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, the one thing, I feel like the Jaguars are very much similar to the Steelers, not in all, not in all areas, we'll put it that way. And the fact that, I just can't get a feel for this team. Like right when you think you got them figured out, something happens, a game happens, a poor performance. And next thing you know, you're wondering what is this? Who are they? So my question for you, they've won four in a row, just came back from overseas. What's your takeaway on this Jaguars team? I mean, I think a lot of fans in the NFL, not just the Steelers, who's opponent this week, they're kind of wondering like, what, what to make of this team? What do we make of the Jaguars in 2023? Yeah, I really think that they're starting to click and, really starting to hit their stride as a team, you know, on, on both sides of the ball. I think definitely that first month of the season probably had a lot of people maybe scratching their heads. I and mean, even internally, I, I think there was some clear frustration by the team themselves, you know, especially after a week three 20 point loss at home to the, a Houston Texans team that had basically its entire secondary and offensive line injured. You know, I, I think that really did wake them up a good bit. I mean, even players have spoken to it the last couple of weeks that, they started off the season basically thinking they could roll out of bed and hang with any team. And after getting punched in the mouth by the Texans, it just seems like they've really picked up on, you know, the energy, the overall consistency. It, it feels like that was a wake up call type loss for them. So the last month of the season, the last four or three games, they've been, you know, incredibly consistent. Each game has kind of had the same tell, you know, a strong defense, a strong run defense, a lot of turnovers and an offense that still probably isn't like, as high powered as they would hope to be, or as they were supposed to be coming into the season. But I also think some optimism you can find in that is you look across the NFL and there's not a lot of prolific offenses right now. You know what I mean? Even the best one, Miami has still had two games on their schedule where they just have had complete clunkers. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a really good point. And so you think about, I look at the offense and, and 
is this an offense, the Jacksonville offense, that is, it can kill you either way? Do they have the running game? I know Travis Etienne is a, is a different style back. He's not necessarily your three yards in a cloud of dust type back. He's going to want space. You got to give him a hole and he can hit it and he can take it the distance. He's got that type of breakaway speed. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence, you look at the weapons that he has at his disposal with Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. What, what exactly is the bread and butter of this offense right now? I, I, I really think it's, you know, that versatility is the ability to adapt and no matter what defense or scheme that you're playing, you can kind of lean on one different thing. I mean, when you consider their investments at wide receiver, tight end and running back, you would hope that they'd be a team like that. They haven't had a very efficient running game, you know, for much of the season. A lot of it has been ETN kind of, you know, putting the running game on his back in certain mm-hmm. spots. You know, their philosophy as a team and Doug Peterson's philosophy is kind of, you know, throw to score and run the win, which, you know, to them is let's try to throw early in games, try to get up early in games and use the running game to close it out. But that's where they've struggled this year. Like they've really struggled offensively playing with a lead. It doesn't feel like that they have a running game that can close games out. So their running game almost feels more potent in the first half when they're trying to get up on teams than it does in the second half when they're trying to put the game away. Well, that's interesting, which is kind of a good segue into my next question about the offense is, Every offense in the National Football League, even the high high flying Miami Dolphins, the Kansas City Chiefs, you talk about those high profile offenses. They do have their areas that are maybe weaknesses in the right term, but they're 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 not strengths. It's something that they don't do as well as other parts. What is that for Jacksonville? Where are they struggling right now, if anywhere on offense? Yeah, I think it's absolutely the interior offensive line. I think you can look at either you know pass pro or run blocking. I think that's the spot on the offense that has really kind of thrown a wrench into things. You know, they've really kind of turned Trevor Lawrence and the passing game in general into a quick hitting type of system and really trying to decrease, you know, his time to throw, try to get the ball off his hands quickly. And I firmly believe it's because of the interior offensive line struggles and they'll, their inability to hold up in protection for long developing plays. You know, Brandon Scherf, you know, he's been a good right guard his entire career. And, you know, he's obviously well-respected in Jacksonville, but he's battled two ankle injuries already, and it's, you know, week eight. So he clearly isn't playing 100%. Uh, Luke Fortner, second-year, third-round pick. It, it, it feels like all the positives for him are things that you don't really see on film or can quantify. They're always like, oh, he does a great job setting protections. He's really smart, et cetera. And he's good at blocking in space, but he really struggles, you know, in, in inside, especially with, you know, longer, more powerful type of nose tackles and defense tackles in general. And then left guard, you know, they've had three different starting left guards this year, you know, between Ben Barch, Walk a Little, and Tyler Shatley. Shatley is like a really good glue guy who can play guard and center in a pinch, but he's kind of like the garden adventure of offensive linemen. Like if he has to go in at halftime of a game, yeah, that's, you know, that's perfectly fine, but you don't want him starting for like four or five weeks in a row. It's a good point. And that's something that the Steelers obviously, you know, they, they don't have the strongest defensive front up the middle based on Cam Hayward being on injured reserve and not going to be coming off anytime soon. Uh, young Keanu Benton might be a name to watch out for the, He's a rookie, uh, second-round pick out of Wisconsin. He's been doing some damage in limited snaps, so maybe they'll unleash him a little bit more. But I want to ask about Trevor Lawrence. Is his knee healthy? Because I feel like with Trevor Lawrence, the one part of his game that, at least from what I hear and what I watch, a lot of people don't talk about his mobility and his willingness to run the ball because he can break off some big runs. He is very athletic. But that knee injury, which happened prior to this little mini-bye because they played on Thursday Night Football, what are, what's what's the current status on his knee? It's funny, like Trevor, I I feel like was talked about as, you know, a 
the best quarterback prospects since Luck and Manning, et cetera, that people just assumed he was like this pure pocket guy who's going to go through every read and he's not going to play hero ball. Like, no, he's, he's going to play hero ball. I mean, the whole entire reason he's hurt is because he got hurt on a play where instead of just going down for a short sack, he tried to keep the play alive. Like he's, he's not built like Josh Allen, but he plays a lot like him just in terms of, you know, the never letting a play die type thing. So I I think mobility is a big part of his game. Uh, He's obviously not a hundred percent, but I'd also, I'd also venture to say, I'm not sure how much that matters because, I mean, you watch him against the Saints and he had the best rushing day of his career, broke off almost two 20-plus yard runs, and they weren't design runs either. It was just seeing the Saints playing man coverage and seeing those gaps in the defense. And even with the knee brace on, and it was he said it was his first time ever wearing a knee brace for a game. He's probably going to wear it Sunday. Even with that on, like I I didn't think his movement looked really – conflicted at all I, i'd say if there's one part of his game that they maybe do differently with him being injured it's you know maybe some of uh, more of a quick passing game you know fewer long developing pass plays fewer plays where you're moving him out of the pocket on purpose but just him as a runner i think i don't think that's going to go away does he have a, a favorite target is there is there someone that hey if things break down and he's going to this guy or is it more just hey whatever's open because they do have a lot of weapons and i'd even bring up the tight end who's having a very prolific season. Mike Tomlin spoke glowingly of him on Tuesday. Who is his go-to target if things break down? Yeah, I, I think he has a couple different guys. And he he always, in my opinion, does a good job of finding the open guy on a certain play. You know, he sees the mm-hmm. field really well. So I don't think he's, you know, looking to one guy specifically. But I will say, you know, over the last two years in Doug Peterson's system, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram have kind of been, you know, the glue yeah. guys of the offense. They've been the guys that he's been able to go to time and time again in big moments. I mean, Thursday night football, Kirk basically, you know, won them the game with a 44-yard catch and run. And Kirk is somebody who they love targeting in the slot against teams who are, you know, similar to Pittsburgh, teams who blitz, play a decent amount of man coverage. Those are the teams that they like targeting Kirk a lot because Lawrence trusts that he's going to get open and get open quickly underneath. It's going to be a really interesting matchup with Pittsburgh. They're not used to going against teams, especially in the AFC North, that don't necessarily want to lean on that ground game. You talk about your Clevelands, your Baltimores, even Cincinnati. They want to establish the ground game. But it almost seems like they want to come out and throw the ball, open things up that way, which, hey, it works for them, but it'll be an interesting matchup. Let's go to the, in my opinion, the lesser-known side of the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is the defensive side, and they're really good, and they're good top to bottom. And it's, it's, a, it's a situation where you mentioned the injuries in prior seasons and earlier this year, what is the status of their defense right now from a health standpoint? Yeah, I mean, the status of defense is honestly they're getting guys back. I mean, yeah, Tyson Campbell, I feel like probably won't play this week. You know, he's their best defensive back, probably their second or third best defender, you know, depending on how you see Josh Allen and Foya Luakun. But he's a really good player. I don't think he plays this week with a hamstring injury. You'll have second year, seventh round pick, Monteric Brown in there opposite of Darius Williams. He's probably, you know, the Saints tried to pick on him a good bit. They didn't find a lot of success at it, but they found some. But otherwise, it, it looks like there's a real chance Devon Hamilton might make his season debut this year. You know, he, he's one of the lesser known, like more underrated interior defensive linemen in the NFL. He's just, he, he's a top tier nose tackle in terms of run defense, but he also can provide a good, you know, push and some juice for the pass rush. They haven't had him all year because of a back injury, but 
he, he had, you know, I've covered him his whole career. He had the best training camp of his life, you know, this year before his back injury. He looked like he was about to have a career year. So that's big. They just got the one Smoot back who has always been a key part of their pass rush rotation. And they haven't even like eased him into things after an Achilles injury. He's played like, I want to say almost 90 snaps in the two games since returning. Wow. And then Devin Lloyd, you know, the first round pick last year, he missed both London games due to a thumb injury, but he's come back the last two weeks and has probably played, in my opinion, the two best games of his career. The only thing limiting is he's wearing like a full on cast. So he's dropped, I think, three interceptions in the last two games simply because of that. But otherwise, they're trending up. What is their bread and butter? I talked about that on the offensive side. Let's talk about it on the defense. What do they do the best? What is what is the thing they hang their hat on? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you always hear that third down is the money down in the NFL. And there are so many defensive coordinators who are living to get the third down, but the Jaguars are the opposite. You know, they see first down as the money down. They want to dominate teams on first down and force them into second and longs, third and longs. And so they really pride themselves on their run defense. You know, even a couple of weeks ago, you know, the, the Colts would come out in 11 personnel. So three receivers and the Jaguars would stick with their three, four, you know, personnel and really force them into a heavy box regardless because, you know, they're, daring teams to basically throw on them on first down because they're selling out so much against a run on first down. And they've been incredibly efficient at doing that so far. And then once they do get you into those third longs, they have a lot of exotic blitz packages. You know, they do a lot of stunting on third down. So basically they'll look very basic on first and second down. They'll basically load the box and try to stuff the run. And then on third down, that's where they try to get creative and you know try to create pressure in their own way through scheme. Is the weakness in the secondary with the injuries? And you mentioned a seventh round pick possibly getting the start and that the Saints tried to target him. I'm sure that with the Pittsburgh Steelers, with Deontay Johnson, and you also bring in George Pickens, a very dynamic, big, tall, fast receiver, they might be thinking similar. Is that where the weakness would be on the defense? I do think so. I think that if Tyson Campbell is healthy, the weakness would be the pass rushers death. I, okay. Josh Allen's having you know, best year of, of his NFL career so far. He already has seven sacks. I believe he's top 10 in pressures and win rate per PFF. But outside of him, they've basically have gotten nothing in terms of pass rush. Like last week, I, I think they had 19 pressures as a team and Allen had 11 of them. So, you know, he's, wow. he, he's basically putting the entire pass rush on his back. So I think a combination of that, I think if you can find a way to neutralize Allen, then you can find some plays in the passing game because otherwise they just aren't getting home. And then they have a seven round pick out there. corner. Very similar to the Steelers playing against Aaron Donald last week in Los Angeles with a defensive front that really is just Aaron Donald. <laughs> you can take him out. You might actually open up some things. It's easier said than done, as the Steelers found out last week, even though they were able to make enough plays to win. I have to bring this up because I normally don't with my guests, but last week I didn't say anything about special teams. The kicker for the Rams ends up missing three kicks, two field goals, and an extra point. Ends up being a huge difference maker in the game. How are the Jaguars on special teams? So in week three, they had one of the worst special teams games I've ever seen. They they missed the kick, had a kick blocked, and almost returned for a touchdown, and then – allowed a fullback to take a muffed kickoff for like 85 yards for a touchdown. Other than that, like everything could go wrong type game. They've been really good on special teams. They had one turnover on special teams last week where a practice squad guy who got elevated basically didn't hear the getaway call from the punt returner and Doug Peterson attributed it to the crowd noise in the Superdome. Otherwise, I mean, they, 
they've been, you know, Brandon McManus has elevated their kicker position. And a lot of people were surprised when they let go of last year's kicker, Riley Patterson, because he made a game winner against the Chargers. But they didn't trust his leg at all. And with yeah. McManus, like he's made several kicks over 50 yards. They trust his range. Logan Cook's one of the more efficient punters in the league. Uh, they really pride themselves on that punt coverage units. Like other, other than – one horrific return against the Texans. Yeah. They've had really good return units. So I think their special teams unit has been pretty consistent across the board outside of one day, the entire team probably wants back. Yeah. And then I just think, like I said, I normally don't bring it up, but after last week, I'm like, maybe I should start asking this question in these interviews based well, on the fact that it matters. And, and last week they threw out a, a fake punt, you know, pass oh. on the punter ends up picking 15 up yards. I, I think he's like done like seven of those in his career and he's like seven of seven or something like that. So they, you know, he's a for, former high school quarterback. They're not afraid to let him air it out now and then. Hey, that's a good little nugget. I appreciate that. Now I do have to ask you for about predictions. Some people that have come on my show said, Jeff, I'm not going to do a numbers prediction. That's not my thing. That's fine. You don't have to. The current spread that I have in front of me is the Steelers getting two and a half points at home, a home dog with a total of 42 points. John, like I said, you don't have to give me a specific score, but you can just tell me how do you see this game shaking out? Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be two, you know, strong defensive teams, you know, in general against each other. I, I think that the Jaguars, they're still shooting themselves in the foot a little too much on offense to put up a ton of points. I think, you know, TJ Watt against a rookie right tackle and Anton Harrison will probably cause some issues. The, the Jaguars earlier this year made a big mistake against the Chiefs. They basically left Harrison on an island against Chris Jones. So I wouldn't expect them to make that same mistake twice, but yeah. I still think that will lead to not a high-scoring game. But on the flip side, I, I just think the Jaguars' defense is playing too well and is too talented for you know the Steelers to get you know much. I, I think George Pickens will get his now and then just because he's George Pickens. But I see Jaguars 20, Steelers 16, and mm, a close game a physical game, a low scoring relatively game, but a game that I think that the Jaguars, you know, just where they're at as a team and the quarterback advantage will help get them over the top. Which really outside of the 2017 divisional round game. And then even the game earlier that season, which was week five in 2017, most games against Jacksonville and Pittsburgh are very low scoring. They come down to the end and they're very, very physical. So we'll see if that holds true. John, why don't you give everyone out there a chance to let them know where they can find your work, both on the podcast side, the written side, and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at underscore John underscore Shipley. Uh, Jaguar Report is, you know, at Sports Illustrated, Fan Nations, where I do my writing, so si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. And then, you know, of course, on FFSN, the Jaguar Report podcast, we, you know, record twice a week, one time early in the week, one time late in the week, and we make sure to bring it with the takes, so make sure you tune in. Absolutely. John, good luck this weekend. Thanks for taking the time. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Jeff. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
Steeler fans. It is Friday. It's the second half. And well, you know what that means. It's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. Jeremy, what is going on, my friend? Oh, man, it's going going really well. Uh, I've been living high off the Steelers victory. I've got some fun thoughts for us today as Steelers fans uh, for diving into this upcoming game. Um, but I've got uh, a confession to make as well later on when we do oh. picks. So, okay. Well, why don't you, Hey, let's let you can start this thing off, man. What are some of these things you want to talk about? Let's go. Yeah. So, okay. I have this game against the Rams, uh, just to kind of lay it out here for, for us all. I think it, it had some of the same descriptors. Uh, you could use some of the same descriptors to, uh, talk about the Steelers performance as you have for the majority of the season, but and this is a good but, Jeff. This is, I think that they were more consistent for the whole game. I think you saw flashes earlier in the game that should get Steelers fans excited about this offense. Now, is it going to be one of the best in football? No, it's never going to be that. Is it? Is it going to be even a a top fifteen offense? No, probably not. But I think that the Steelers are a lot closer now to being a fifteen to top fifteen to twenty offense in the NFL than they were throughout the first six or seven weeks of the season. I think Kenny Pickett's getting more comfortable. I think Deontay Johnson coming back has is absolutely a, a boost for this team. Um, you've got two legit wideouts on the outside now, two guys who win in different ways, and it, we saw it work. And I think some things have clicked here, and Kenny Pickett's going to probably start to outplay the scheme a little bit. And I say that from the perspective of it looks like he's calming down. <laughs> and I think early on before the buy specifically, you had a guy who thought coming out of preseason, things were going to go a lot more smoothly than they did last year. They didn't. He got uncomfortable real quick. Didn't believe in it. Now after the bye week, he got to really explain himself and what he's feeling, what he's seeing. And it's starting to, to coalesce into something that's going to be a lot better for this team. So I just come out of that Rams game a lot more encouraged about the trajectory of the season. And if you if you really think about it, if the Steelers can field a top 15 to 20 offense, then the way that they have played so far, that only gets you closer to an AFC North type title run and a playoff spot and maybe even a, a chance at a, at a home game in the playoffs, which would be huge for this team and this fan base. That's what kind of along the lines of what I was thinking about this team heading into week eight is that for as bad as they've played, and we'll both admit they have been bad, and they've yeah. been bad on both sides of the football as well, more so glaring on the offensive side, but there's been issues on the defensive side as well. But when both sides of the football have been this bad, and they're four and two, yeah. think about what they will be, especially with the soft part of the schedule coming up after Jacksonville, if they actually start to put it together, if you start to see some of that fourth quarter magic, which it wasn't just the last drive, this was not right. Baltimore, right? Baltimore yes. was did nothing. And then pick it to Pickens is enough to win the game. One play is enough to win the game. This wasn't that. And you listen to the stat geek podcast on Thursday morning, Dave Stigofield outlined how the Steelers offense is by baby steps, getting better. They're having more, yeah more drives with first downs and, and they're actually, I think they had, what did he say? Seven total first downs and they had a drive with, uh, it was just a really long drive. It, what think about it, last year. It's what we saw for the majority of the second half of the season, those really long mm -hmm. time consuming drives 
suck the air out of the whole building, no matter where they are. And then even if they kicked a field goal, you're just killing so much clock. This was the first time we kind of got a glimpse of that. And it is encouraging. I'm not about to hang my hat on that and say, here we go. This is the future. No, I I think that for me, like they're going to have to do it more consistently, but at least it is, you know, something that I think they can hang their hat on for now and say, maybe this is hope for the future. I'm not sold necessarily, but let's piggyback that thought, your, your comments into this Jacksonville game. When you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I just had John Shipley on in the first half in the behind the enemy line segment, he openly said that their weakness, if they have one on defense, is in the secondary. They're a little banged up, and they're a little inexperienced. He talked about some really inexperienced players playing a, a lot of snaps. And George Pickens, even as early as I think Thursday, when he had his media availability, talked about how Jacksonville's what he called a hope defense. They hope that the pass rush gets home. They hope that they can stop the run so they can force teams into third and long. And so some people might call that bulletin board material. I just think it's being honest. Do you see that this Steelers offense could have success against Jacksonville? Absolutely. I do. Uh, Especially in the passing game. Like you mentioned, I see Jacksonville defense as very similar to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, give up a lot of yards on the back end, but they make plays when it counts. Really. They make some splash plays back there. I think they lead the league in takeaways, this Jacksonville defense. So you're talking about a team that wants to play like the Steelers want to play football. Their their front of Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker is getting to the quarterback, making some splash up front, hurrying hurrying quarterbacks. Um, Their run defense, I think, if not the best in the league, it's a top three unit in the league at just shutting down opposing running games. But if you had to pick, the, the Steelers strong suit, it is that the pass game and maybe using that, like we heard Mike Tomlin speak about this last week to open up some things in the running game. And if that's how they, they can attack this team. And I, I really do think with Pickens and Johnson on the outside, you've got matchup problems for Jacksonville that you can exploit here. Um, if Kenny Pickett can, can lean on those guys this week, then you've got a good chance at putting up some numbers and, and making some plays. You just got to be now smart with the football and not force anything uh, because Jacksonville is a little bit better at taking the football away. Yeah. So before we go any further into this Jacksonville game, I do want to stop and we need to talk about the injury report. Now, again, this is Friday morning. So we only have two days of injury reports to discuss, but Thursdays was not ideal. We'll put it that way. Uh, When you look at the injury report. So here's what happened. Uh, Wednesday was a pretty typical day. You had Levi Wallace didn't practice with a foot. Nate Herbig with an illness. Other than that, it was it was pretty much status quo. Well, then on Thursday, Deontay Johnson pops up with a hamstring, yeah. didn't practice. Joey Porter, calf injury, was limited. Uh, Levi Wallace returned to practice and was limited. Nate Herbig back to practice after being sick. Cam Hayward, he had his 21-day. Mentioned this at the very beginning of the show. 21-day clock started, so he was limited in Thursday's practice. And there he is, Larry Ogunjobi. He had one week without a designation and didn't practice with a shoulder injury on Thursday. I'm not sure what you make of all these. I'm hoping that this is kind of following a trend a la TJ Watt last week. We talked about Darnell Washington a couple weeks ago where injuries do pop up. The Steelers are going to follow rules. They're not going to. I know Atlanta has been under fire a little bit for not putting uh, B. John Robinson on their injury reports. So maybe the Steelers are like, look, we're not going into that. We're not opening up Pandora's box. We're going to list everyone. 
And notice TJ Watt has not been listed at all this week with the heel injury. So Jeremy, yeah. when you see the injury report, what do you think? I'd like to just focus in on Johnson. I, I, for the most part, I'm not too concerned about it all. I, I do think you, you don't like to see guys pop up obviously in the middle of the week, but for Deontay Johnson, uh, give me your thoughts on this too, but I kind of feel like it's better to see the designation of did not participate next to hamstring than limited. And here's my thought process with it is that the Steelers are just giving him a rest day for that hamstring injury and just not forcing him onto the field at all. Instead of he started practice, aggravated the injury in practice today, and then was pulled from practice and then therefore was designated as a limited participant. So I wonder if that's more or less what it is, but they have to tag it with that hamstring because that's what he was on, on IR for. And so you're just like working him back slowly as opposed to, oh man, he, he re-aggravated it actually in practice. So maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, I, I'd like to know your thoughts, but that's kind of where I, I come across with, with Deontay Johnson here. Everyone has a different thought and premise with limited, the limited tag. I know that Dave Schofield will talk about how he feels like sometimes that means he got injured in practice. It, it could also be that they, if, if he was limited, this didn't, didn't happen. He didn't practice. If he was limited, they could have just said, Hey, Deontay, you're just going to do individual stuff today. You're not yeah. going to be involved in team drills. So you were limited, but it wasn't that you injured yourself in practice. Like those things do happen uh, with the hamstring. You hope that it was just a day off. I'm sure he, I think he speaks to the media on Fridays. Typically, hopefully we hear today that he is healthy and Hey, they just gave me a day off and he's back at practice and a full participant. We'll find out more. That is a little concerning uh, in terms of you talk about Levi Wallace and you talk about Joey Porter. I think it's just a matter of the two cornerbacks and <laughs> that you need, yeah. you may hate Levi Wallace, but you need <laughs> him. You can't just completely yep. say you're done. Like we're not using you anymore. Like you still need them. So I think that for me, I look at this and say, that I just hope that Friday's report is very clean, that Larry Ogunjobi, Joey Porter Jr., Levi Wallace, and Deontay Johnson don't have a designation. I don't expect uh, Cam Hayward to be back anytime soon. I said this yeah. in an article for SteelCurtNetwork.com. I'll say it again here. I think that the Green Bay game yeah. is, the, is the game that, like, hey, Cam's back. They have a game against Jacksonville. Next week is a Thursday night game against Tennessee. Then they have that 10-day break, that mini-buy, as we call it, I think that's the best time to see Cam back. Do you agree or disagree? I 100% agree. Uh, I don't like the the thought of him trying to trot out on a Thursday um, after this this week against Jacksonville. Um, give him that extra time. Uh, the The Titans game is it's at home. Um, not to say overlook this opponent, but why rush him back for that one when you could ramp him up against Green Bay at home the following week and then have him ready for Cleveland Cincinnati? Don't push it. It's going to be a big two games there with Cleveland yeah. and Cincinnati. And you do want to get him a little bit of game experience prior to those games, especially if you're going to be asking him to have a large workload in those contests. So, all right. Are you ready for some game picks? Let's do it. All right. So we obviously will get to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Jacksonville Jaguars going on. But before we always do the AFC North picks and believe it or not, it's weird how, if you notice Cleveland had a buy, then Pittsburgh had a buy, then Cincinnati had a buy. I just assumed Baltimore had a buy this week. No, they don't. Right. There'll be a buys until like week 13. So let's go through these and let's talk about these games in the division. A lot of them are happening in the afternoon. Uh, mm -hmm. You have actually all of them are in the afternoon except for Pittsburgh. So let's go with Cincinnati 49 and San Francisco 
in San Francisco. The 49ers are coming off back-to-back losses. The Bengals are coming off a bye. I actually think this is going to be a really good game. This is a 425 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. What do you think about this game? Uh, I don't know if you saw the news from Thursday, but Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol. And uh, he did practice, so he's on the field. But you you don't know how that's going to turn out. Obviously, uh, I'm more of the opinion that if Sam Darnold, his backup has to come in, that they're not too much the worse for wear if he's playing as opposed to Brock Purdy. But Purdy, obviously, more uh, in with the system, uh, has been the starter now for uh, a large chunk. And, you know, you like what you see out of him. Uh, the fourth quarters in the last couple of weeks have been spotty. But I, I still think the 49ers are probably the better team here. But I just I, it's a tough spot for a struggling Niners team going against the Bengals team coming off the bye that should be fully healthy across the board now. That's tough against this offense when they've struggled against passing attacks in the last two weeks. Um, I don't like to do it, but I'm gonna pick the Bengals in this game and uh maybe maybe jinx them a little bit. I don't know, hopefully. Uh, but this uh, this is a good matchup for both teams, but I just think the Cincinnati Bengals passing attack could start to really get on a roll here and start to become the dangerous uh, threat that we've seen it the past couple of years. I'm going to pick Cincinnati in a close one. Let's go uh, 24 to 23. One point win. Very close. Okay. To me, this doesn't have anything to do with the quarterback. I feel like either one is going to be limited yeah. in some way. And Brock Purdy, say what you want. It's all going to be based on Christian McCaffrey. How healthy is CMC? They're on a short week. They are at home. I was shocked that he played on Monday Night Football. The 49ers defense is going to be playing better. I like them. I like them to get after uh, Joe Burrow. I I think the 49ers win this game, even though the Bengals are coming off a bye. I agree with you. It's going to be close. Let's go to the next one. Cleveland, they make the trek into the, the great Northwest to play Seattle. And this is a weird game as well. Cleveland coming off back-to-back wins. Some would say that they've been very fortunate with some of the calls. I would be one of those people that would say that. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> hey, I told you that that letdown game was coming. Like, who would have thought they'd give yeah. up 38 points to Indianapolis and Gardner Minshew? I don't think Deshaun Watson is slated to play in this game. And so it's DJ Walker again up yeah. against Seattle. Jeremy, what do you think about this one? Yeah, this is going to be a, a very low-scoring affair. Um, underrated has been the growth of the Seattle defense over the last few weeks. And for those who might not follow the NFC West very well, this secondary has been an absolute shutdown mode for the opposition now for uh, three straight weeks. And they're just getting better and better. Devin Witherspoon, uh, Reek Woolen back there. And then the pass rush is starting to, to get better. This to me is, is a game that Seattle probably owns from start to finish. Um, although I think the Browns defense will probably keep the scoring close. I think Seattle probably looks like the better team for the whole game. Cleveland hangs around, but this, this to me has all the the makings of like a 17 to 13 game where Seattle wins and, and the Browns maybe score late to make it closer than it, it looks, but I just don't trust PJ Walker to do anything through the air against the Seattle defense. And I do trust the Seattle offense to make enough plays, Geno Smith, to make enough big-time throws to beat this Cleveland defense. Uh, so I'm picking a, a Browns loss here, and uh, a Seattle wins 17-13. to 
hammer the under on this one. I don't even know what the yeah. line is, but hammer the under. But then again, I would have said that last week against Indianapolis and they score 78 points combined. So yeah. uh, I like <laughs> the Seahawks here. I think PJ Walker, the, the lucky dust or whatever they're doing is yeah. going to wear off eventually. Um, so I like the Seahawks to win. Obviously I'm picking against the AFC North teams, but this next game, I think we can both agree upon is probably one that we don't pick against the AFC North. Baltimore <laughs> goes out to Arizona and plays the Cardinals at 425. This game could get out of hand quickly. I don't think Kyler Murray's back. He's back to practice. I don't think he's yep. going to be back to playing games yet. So Joshua Dobbs gets another start. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, even if Murray plays, I don't think that changes my thoughts on this game. Uh, the Ravens are playing very good football. Lamar Jackson specifically, um, outside of the division, just owns people <laughs> yep. and it's playing really well. You saw the receiver step up for him last week and just absolutely demolish a, a good Detroit lions team. I think that's a good lions team. I don't know what Lamar Jackson's you mentioned magic dust. His magic dust is against NFC opponents, but I think he's only had one loss in his career to an NFC opponent in the regular oh, season. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, obviously he wouldn't play an NFC opponent in the postseason unless he made a Super Bowl, which hasn't happened right. yet. But um, so uh, yeah, I just think that this is a, a Ravens role game. Um, I would be interested. I don't don't have it in front of me to know the Ravens opponent next week. Um, that sometimes can play into these AFC North teams that they're looking ahead to another AFC North squad or or whatever that would be, but I, I don't think it is. So I'm gonna go ahead and say Baltimore wins this pretty handily without really looking past this game. All right. I'm trying to look up the Ravens schedule. Let me see here. I do. I agree with you, by the way, that the Ravens are going to absolutely roll, but they, they've got some division games. Listen to their slate coming up after the Cardinals game. They host the Seahawks. They host the okay. Browns. They host the Bengals. And then they go on the road to the chargers. Uh, they host the Rams. They go on the road to the Jaguars. They go on the road to the 49ers. They host the dolphins. And then they finish up with the Steelers. That's a, yeah, it gets dicey. It gets it dicey. And uh, the Browns and Ravens definitely are always playing close games. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. I'm going to take the Ravens in a route here. I don't think there's mm -hmm. any doubt about it. It would take Lamar Jackson turning the ball over at a ridiculous clip for Arizona to have a shot. So let's get to the game everyone cares about. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. According to what I have in front of me, the line is the Steelers are getting two and a half points at home. Home dogs with an over mm -hmm. under at 40. 42 Jeremy what do you think all right this is where I got to make my confession okay mm -hmm. um in the staff picks article the last uh four weeks every time I have predicted a Steelers loss they have won and so um I don't know what to do Jeff uh I feel I feel like this uh I, I've got this battle going on whether I want my reputation as a guy who actually knows what he's talking about and, and can actually pick a game correctly for once, or do I go with the, uh, the superstition and just pick the Jaguars just because um, doing so has in the past has rele relegated a Steelers win. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and do this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the superstitions aside and I'm going to say this. I'm going to back up what I believe about this Pittsburgh Steelers team this week. And I'm going to say they win at home. Um, obviously Mike Tomlin's record as a home dog is very good. I like that type of situation. You go into this game, uh, with Thursday night coming up. Um, and, and so you, you really think you've got to just nail this game. So that way you're going into your Thursday night situation with at home with a chance to 
uh, really widen the gap on your win-loss record. This is an AFC heavyweight. You come in with no reservations of, are they going to lay down in this game? So would they, could they be outplayed? Absolutely they could. Could Trevor Lawrence and company really mess with this defense? Yes. But here's the kicker for me, Jeff. Trevor Lawrence is the most pressured quarterback in the NFL through seven weeks. He has more pressures than any other quarterback, and that's without earning a sack against the Saints in this last Thursday night matchup. I just think T.J. Watt, who has never, uh, or excuse me, in his outside of the 2022 season where he was injured, has never had a game where uh, after being held to zero sacks, he had less than 1.5 sacks the following week. Ooh, that's so, a great stat. T.J. Watt averaging 1.6 sacks the week after being held to zero sacks. I think he gets two big ones in this game. I think they can rattle um, him and hopefully slow down ETN enough to win this game. Steelers, 27. uh, Jaguars, 23 in this game. All right. Very, very good. So I don't have the problem that you do with picking against Pittsburgh because I never do. So uh, for right. me, it's just always the same. Like I'm always going to pick the Steelers. So of course my ride or die crew knows that the Steelers pick is coming, but hopefully they're like, well, what does Jeff think about the game? What's his final score yeah. prediction? So I do think this game is going to be close early. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you see a halftime score, not like uh nine to three, I think what it was against LA, but maybe like the 13 to 10 in the second half. I think the Steelers slowly pull away. They make enough plays. This is going to be a defensive grudge match. We talked about the AFC North picks. A lot of them were, hey, expect a low-scoring game. I expect a low-scoring game here. But Pittsburgh scores over 20 points. I had the Steelers 23, Jaguars 20 to win the game, win by a three-point deficit. So give me the points at home and barely the over. Barely the over at 43 with yes. the line set at 42. <laughs> All right, hey, Jeremy, what's your fantasy game of the week? Yeah, um, this is... This is a fun week for football, um, but I, Jeff, I'm going to do something I don't typically do for a, a bad Steelers offense, but I'm going to go with this game, Steelers-Jaguars, oh. because I really like the pass game matchup for uh, for both teams here. Um, I like uh, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk to have good games against the Steelers secondary, especially if you see guys banged up back there, and I like George Pickens and Deontay Johnson to uh, week two back for Deontay Johnson to really get into gear here. Kenny Pickett, I think, is a startable play in fantasy this week. Um, and then Travis Etienne for the Jaguars has a chance to put up some points as well against a porous Steelers run defense. So uh, it's going to be a lot of attempts, a lot of targets for these guys on both sides. I think that if if the defenses don't come to play in the pass game, that the score could actually go run up a little bit here. So I'm going to pick this game this week. A little more fun for our Steeler Nation as well yeah. to – uh, to have this one as the the fantasy game of the week. Start your Steelers uh, passing game players this week. Uh, I think that that could be a, a big boost to your your fantasy team. I love it. I love it. Now, so why don't you go ahead and let everyone else also know what time the uh, Q&A is going to be happening this weekend and where they can find you on social yeah. media. Yeah, Steelers Q&A is going to be on Saturday morning around 9 o'clock. Uh, that's, that's when I typically do it. Uh, somewhere between 8.30, 9.30, whenever I can uh, get – uh, awake enough to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, no, but uh, join in and and check that out. I'm I should have a guest this weekend. Um, not going to tell you who it is yet. You'll have to come find that out. But uh, we should have one together this weekend for you. And then obviously Steelers fix. I think we're going to start looking at uh, maybe some how college football is doing and some draft uh, 
needs potentially for the Steelers once we get to that point, just kind of a mid-season look at the draft upcoming uh, at the end of the season. So that's what's going on. And then always hit me up on X at the bets 93 thebetz 93 love it thank you very much jeremy as always we appreciate it we'll talk next week take it easy all right a big thank you to jeremy for taking the time like he always does i always appreciate him and his insights uh you know these picks are tough they're tough this time of year you never know what this team's gonna do especially the pittsburgh steelers my gosh but let's finish this like we always do with a heart to heart i wrote an article on thursday and it was funny on our Facebook page when I, I put the article went out on our Facebook page. Someone said that it was a giant waste of time and that uh, they're now dumber for reading it, which I think is hysterical because they quoted Billy Madison. So they get two thumbs up from me. But here's the thing. What my premise was of the article was, what if the Steelers are not buyers at the deadline, but sellers? And a lot of people poo pooed the article saying, oh, the Steelers need this. They need that. What if Omar Khan is like, look, I see the I see the writing on the wall. I can read the tea leaves, and it's saying that we are not a Super Bowl team this year. But we could be, but we need more assets. We need more cap. We need not cap, but we need more draft picks. And so I thought of some players uh, that could potentially maybe be shipped away if the price was right. And, you know, I get it. A lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to hear the Steelers going out and, you know, getting a Jer Alexander from Green Bay, or they're going to go get a Pat Sertain from Denver, which would take first-round draft picks, plural, to get those players. Yeah, Steelers have done that in the past. They got Minka Fitzpatrick that way. But my premise was that I don't think that any of us could have make some hasty assumption that Omar Khan's going to do anything the traditional way, that he's going to do anything that is just really what we all expect. No, no, that's not how this guy operates when he shipped off Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green before the season, when I was looking at it saying they're going to keep him for depth, especially Kevin Dotson. Like, they're going to keep him because he's a good depth piece. He has starting experience. He started as a rookie and started uh, after that. He started every game last season. Nope, traded him away to L.A. That told me right away, Omar Khan's doing this different. He's not willing to just sit back and hope and pray that things turn out. So I think Omar Khan's aggressive. I think Omar Khan is open to discussions, and don't be shocked if a team were to call him and say, hey, what do you want for Dan Moore Jr.? If he says, look, you give me a second-round pick, he's yours. I think he would absolutely part ways with it with a second round or with Dan Moore for a second-round pick. Now, would someone give up a second-round pick? I doubt it, but still, if they did, I think he's like, I got Broderick Jones right here. He's ready to go. We got him. Let's go. So there's some options there. Go check out that article if you want. But I'm just trying to tell everyone, look, Omar Khan's going to do things a little bit different. So don't be shocked if that's what you see. All right, that does it for me. I hope you all have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy some college football. I will be back on Sunday, post-game show, myself, Dave Schofield, Brian Davis. And then, of course, I'll be back on Monday with the winners and losers, talking all about things that happened, hopefully positive, in Week 8. And hopefully we give out another T-shirt, Victory Monday. All right, folks, have a great weekend. You know we finished up. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you on Monday. Go Steelers.